That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus Focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high-quality naturopathic doctor-designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Hello and welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. It's Dr. Dave here and I'm going to do another episode of uh, what Dr. Karen and I did previously, which we were going to call Clinical Bites. So today is just a really short episode. Um, it's just me, uh, but I'm going to talk to you about some things that I found to be very you know, clinically important in the last little while. Um, and hopefully you get something out of it either whether you're a patient or a practitioner, um, I'm hoping you get something out of this in very short uh, time, a very short period of time, because we're just going to be quick. Um, so what I want to talk about today is the stomach. Now, the stomach proper, I mean, not the abdomen, as we sometimes call it, you know, when we're talking about the belly and the abdomen, uh, we're not talking about all the contents there. I really want to focus on just the stomach proper today. Um, there's lots of reasons to focus on the stomach itself. Um, I think part of, part of my, uh, affinity for talking about it now, or part of the reason that I want to talk about it now is that I've worked with it a lot and got really great results with it, uh, because the stomach is a really whiny sort of organ. Um, it seems to cause a lot of problems. Now, some of those problems are really well known. Some of those problems are, you know, like heartburn and GERD and, and things like that. Maybe some issues with uh, burping and things like that where, you know, we know the stomach is involved and we've known it for a long time. But as I get to know the stomach better through um, hands-on therapies, uh, visceral manipulation, I've seen some other patterns and, and uh, signs that the stomach could be a problem. Um, so we'll get into some of those signs in a minute. But Here's some of the reason why I want to talk about the stomach. Like I said, find it very clinically important. I don't think I'd treat anyone without treating the stomach uh, as a sort of core, uh, one of the foundational initial things that we do in our treatment. Um, many different ways to treat it, but like I said, we'll talk about that. 
uh, in due course here. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is why it's, why it's important. So obviously the stomach is a big player in the gut. Um, it's got a big job. It's a highly dynamic organ. So has a big job in terms of being the first organ. It's got a really, um, hostile kind of acidic environment. Um, and it's a big muscle. I mean, it, it churns and, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a, it's like the churning breaking down center at the top of the digestive tract that sort of sets everything up. So yes, it's a big player in the gut, but also let's, let's talk about the gut brain connection. We know that there's a connection between the gut and the brain and it's bi-directional goes both ways. Right. So we can have issues with, uh, you know, our thoughts, anxieties, and things like that, that show or manifest as gut issues and the other way around. So you can have, you know, uh, you know, symptoms of say IBS, just to include a whole bunch of you out there because so many people have IBS, then you can have sort of mood issues going the other way. So it goes both ways. So gut brain, there's one reason why it's important to work with the stomach. Um, and remember, once you're affecting the brain, you're kind of affecting everything, central nervous system. So you can say gut brain, and then you can go brain everything. So indirectly, we're sort of helping everything via the gut brain connection. Um, so in this sense, it's, it's got a bit of a software influence, you could say, um, meaning, you know, it affects information processing, uh, in the whole body as a whole. So software, yes, but also hardware because, uh, so much of the absorption in our gut depends on proper stomach function. So you need the hardware, uh, to be absorbed in your diet and everything, for you to be able to function properly, right? So it's got a software and a hardware function. The gut is just so critical that way. Um, so then what about the vagus nerve? Now the vagus nerve, I think it's the coolest nerve. Well, it's a pretty cool nerve. Let's, let's be honest. It, it wanders. That's why it's called vagus nerve because it wanders. It wanders from the brainstem um, or sorry, it's a cranial nerve that wanders all the way down uh, throughout the uh, gut used to be called the pneumogastric nerve because it affects lungs, heart, uh, gastric, uh, so stomach function, and much of the upper GI. So there are vagal afferents, meaning there's signals coming from the stomach back up through to the brain too. It goes two ways, like a like a highway. You generally build a highway two ways. Uh, same thing with nerves. Uh, often, you know, we've got uh, sensory nerves bringing information to the brain and uh, also information going from the brain out. So you can affect the vagus nerve. And yes, you can affect the vagus nerve with all the uh, components of the upper GI, but the vagus nerve travels anatomically along the esophagus and over the stomach. And so, so much of the vagus sort of anatomy is intrinsically tied to the structures of the stomach. So the stomach offers us a really, really great opportunity to influence the information coming from the stomach to the brain. And then when you affect uh, vagal input to the brain, you have massive effects on uh, the body as a whole, parasympathetic nervous system, um, possible uh, uses in something like autoimmune disease, uh, stress and, and well, relief of stress. And uh, if you talk to anyone who does any uh, specialized work with uh, the, you know, vagal, uh, polyvagal theory, you'll, you'll have an idea of why the vagus nerve is so, so critical to overall health. Um, and then another reason to work with the stomach, it's pretty easy to treat, I would say, um, with some really, really simple uh, naturopathic tools 
and then some simple kinds of uh, mobilizations and, and work that you can do on the body, uh, the structure, the anatomical structure of the stomach itself with a little bit of training, you can uh, have a huge influence on the nociceptive or pain sort of uh, afferents that are coming from the stomach back up to the brain. And then that has massive effects on, uh, on the nervous system. Um, so let's talk about some symptoms that could uh, indicate that there's uh, a stomach issue at all. Um, so obviously, like I said, there's, you know, GERD and, and heartburn. Those are, those are signs and symptoms that people are pretty, uh, aware of in terms of having, uh, an origin in the stomach, or at least the stomach being an issue to some degree. Um, another, another, uh, thing would be burping or maybe problems swallowing. Now the issue with problems swallowing it that implicates the stomach is that the stomach is kind of like a, a big bossy muscly organ that sort of pulls along the esophagus. So basically when I see esophageal or throat symptoms, I always have to think about the stomach. The stomach is, you know, often, I don't know if it's every time, but a lot of the time I find the stomach is um, the problem with swallowing symptoms and esophageal symptoms and throat symptoms. Uh, even that need to like clear your throat, like <clears throat> having to do that all the time um, possibly implicates the, the, uh, the stomach. Uh, issues in the larynx too. So issues with the voice, uh, you know, there's people who have, um, issues with their vocal cords. Uh, I've actually had some interesting cases of singers who've had issues with their vocal cord, uh, vocal cords, excuse me. Um, and that was due to the reflux of acid, uh, vaporized acid coming up and, and actually injuring the larynx. So, um, another, uh, another thing related to the stomach there. Um, some other symptoms, um, anxiety and worry, and, and especially if it's related to eating, uh, if, if, if there's anxiety and worry related to eating and it can be up or down, meaning it can be improved or, or, uh, worsened by the act of eating and the eating would be, uh, leading to symptoms fairly in fairly short order because the stomach is very high up, right? In the digestive tract, it's basically the main first stop. So the symptoms would come on soon after eating. Uh, and that's another thing. If your symptoms come on really soon after eating or drinking, then it probably implicates some issue with the stomach. Um, pain between the shoulder blades. Now, this is one that uh, probably I know best now just because of my work with visceral manipulation. And I've seen a lot of people have this sort of gnawing pain between the shoulder blades. It's, they kind of like want to reach it and and you know push it they get someone like a chiro or a physio to do their good work and it just doesn't touch it it maybe touches it for a day and it comes back again well that's because that they're getting visceral um, pain from the stomach or uh, tissues related to the stomach so that pain between the shoulder blades it's really just maddening and doesn't get better with uh, maybe a massage or or other sort of physical outside in treatments um so a sort of niggling hunger that improves if you nibble on something. There's other reasons that you could have this, but this is something I see sometimes with the stomach. Um, also low grade nausea that improves with uh, a little nibble on something or, um, you know, just nausea that is related somehow to eating. When you have nausea, you have to think of the stomach. Um, it's, there's just, a, there's just a correlation there. Nausea, think stomach, appetite, think stomach. So if you've got nausea, like low grade, I'm not talking like, 
you know, barfing your guts up all the time, but I mean, low grade nausea and appetite issues. And I mean, appetite that is not well regulated, maybe, um, maybe you get very hungry very quickly or you uh, are not easily satiated. You, you eat and eat and eat. You've got like this stomach fire. You could put things down there for days on end. It's almost like endless. These are signs that the stomach itself, the anatomical structure of the stomach are, are uh, problematic. And some of this may be due to the idea that the stomach has stretch receptors. That's kind of how you feel when you're, uh, how you are able to sense when you're full, right? The stomach stretches. But if you have issues with the structure of the stomach and it's a bit stretched or floppy, like I see stomachs that some just hang down to about the belly button and other ones hang down, uh, they come down all the way to where the uh, sigmoid colon is. So it's like a, a saggy uh, ptosis of the stomach. Um, so these people are going to have different sort of um, hunger signals, satiety signals than than people who have the more, I'd say, normal uh, size of stomach where it just sort of comes down maybe just below the level of the belly button. Uh, obviously, ulcers are a stomach issue. If they're in the stomach, you can have duodenal ulcers also, but you'll feel the pain from duodenal ulcers a little later than you would with a stomach ulcer because... Uh, just it's further down the tubes, just like I said earlier. Like if the if the symptoms come on fairly soon after uh, ingestion of food, then you have to think about the stomach. If it's later on, you think of the more distal structures often. Um, another one I've seen showing an issue often with the the valve that holds food in the stomach uh, is a very fast sort of gastrocolic reflex. This is those people who have they have to go poo like right after they eat, and sometimes. Uh, they have a bowel movement and there's undigested food in it. So if you have undigested food in your stools, it implicates the stomach. It implicates the fact that the uh, lower valve that is meant to hold the food in the stomach for a period of time, maybe two hours, maybe six hours, uh, either way, longer than a few minutes, if that food is quickly sort of shunted through uh, the rest of the digestive tract, then what you'll end up with is undigested food in your stools. Um, very interesting because you might think the colon is the problem there, but it's actually, uh, I would say in my experience or my knowledge, it would be more often related to a dysfunctional valve uh, of the pylorus. Um, another symptom or two would be mouth and throat dryness. So the need to sip all the time or just dryness, um, that you feel in the mouth and, uh, and throat in general, uh, H. pylori infection. Obviously this is one thing that, uh, maybe you'll just, you, you'll have been, you'll have been, um, investigated with a blood test or maybe a breath test and H. pylori, uh, is sort of a well-known, uh, cause of, of, issues in the stomach. Um, other, other times you, you might find uh, stomach issues is, is when you actually move or mobilize the stomach. So this is what I do with uh, visceral manipulation, which is a kind of mobilization of the organs. Um, it's, it's been a, a very, very, uh, how can I say this? It's, it's changed my understanding of the stomach and the uh, gut by uh, 10 or a hundredfold because now in real time I mobilize the stomach. The person tells me like, Oh, that just changed my appetite or I'm a bit nauseous or I feel a bit this or that. So, um, yeah, you can, if, if you move the stomach and you, uh, you can cause or elicit some symptom changes, 
then perhaps there's a, an implication uh, of the stomach there. Um, obviously burning state sensation from the stomach, but also burning sensation from the throat. You may only feel it up in the throat. You may not feel it low down. Um, but the ability, the inability or the, um, the problem that you have with some foods being uh, coffee, chocolate, citrus, alcohol, spicy foods. This also implicates the stomach. Again, these are fairly well known. I'd say at least uh, spicy and alcohol are sort of known as being triggers for the stomach. Uh, and another interesting one that I've I've seen uh, also in real time doing uh, hands-on treatment with people is a strange taste in the mouth, uh, metallic in a couple of cases, and and a rotten taste. Um, in uh, in another case, and I believe that it corresponds with some TCM view on uh, on the fact that uh, you can have issues with the the smell or the taste of the the stomach being rotten. Um, if you're a TCM expert, you'll know what I'm talking about there. Um, but yeah, for for the rest of you, just know that you you can get weird sensations of taste uh, from from having uh, issues in the stomach. So. The stomach, uh, I've talked about ways of treating it in the past. Uh, some of my favorites are bitters and demulcents of various kinds. I usually use slippery elm or deglycerizinated licorice. Um, these are these are demulcents that just sort of soothe irritated tissues. Now, that's great if the tissues are irritated, but what if you have a problem where the stomach is kind of in a you know malpositioned or or not moving properly uh which is why i use the visceral manipulation techniques because it addresses a different kind of problem uh just like muscles and joints have to move properly same can be said for uh this the contents of the of the abdomen uh for example your your kidneys move about three centimeters with uh every breath in and out so movement motion is lotion if the stomach's not moving in the right way, or it's kind of stuck with adhesions to other organs or other areas uh, where fascia restricts its, restricts its motion, the demulcents won't be as helpful. And it's at times like that, that you need a different kind of therapy, such as visceral manipulation, or perhaps uh, some very skilled uh, acupuncture or other body, uh, body focused intervention where it's more of what I say is a macro approach. So the micro approach being maybe the cells and the tissues, you can soothe them on a very micro level. Uh, that's good. But on a macro level, so I'm talking about the organ as a whole, as a big moving unit, um, that also has to be addressed sometimes. And for an example of someone who works in the macro uh, sort of realm would be uh, like a physio or a chiropractor. They often work with the uh, anatomical structures as a whole, they're less concerned. I wouldn't say not, they're not concerned at all. Uh, in fact, I'd say if they're really good chirals or physios, they'll probably have an appreciation for some of the micro-based uh, perspectives. Um, but generally they work with, you know, larger uh, moving parts, you know, like a, a muscle as a whole or the, or the bones or the spine as a whole, not the cells thereof. So that gives you an idea of maybe an idea uh, what the difference is between a micro and a macro perspective at the same time. So you can have micro and or macro perspective uh, issues in the stomach, just like anything, like any other organ. Um, but I do find the, uh, the issues of the stomach are fairly easily treated 
uh, to some degree. You'll you'll get some result if you if you know what you're doing with the stomach. So those are a couple of the uh, interventions. So demulcents uh, and bitters for the more um, I could say tonifying uh, micro perspective, but maybe a specific intervention for the structures of the stomach and how they move would be more indicated for people who have like a stomach that sags or um, maybe something like a, a heartburn uh, where the valve at the top is, is sliding, uh, you know, in, inappropriately, or you have a hiatal hernia or something like that. Those are, those are macro structural issues that do not respond as well to micro uh, interventions. And this is a big thing. I, I think it, I, I don't know how to, um, how to explain it much better. It's just very, very important. You can't treat everything with uh, supplements and, uh, and drugs and things like that. If there's uh, an actual anatomical uh, movement issue, uh, sometimes it's 90% to 10% one or 10% to 90% another. Um, but it, it can be, uh, it can be the difference between getting a result and not getting a result because you don't know how to uh, perceive the problem uh, properly. So that's a lot of information I hope um, about the stomach, and I, I hope you uh, f- find it helpful because a lot of these symptoms are overlooked, and uh, I do think the the importance of working with the stomach is not just uh, because it's part of the gut, but it's also um, it's first in the stomach. So when you when you look at the the gut as a, as a whole. Yes, it's got this kind of whole, you have to have a holistic approach to it. Um, you know, everything affects everything in the body. Uh, so a sort of complex adaptive system or holism, depending on whether you're like nerdy left brain or right brain type person. Um, but it's it's also got this hugely important job from the linear perspective. Okay, so when food goes in, if you don't chew properly, then it throws off everything subsequent to that. So from a linear perspective, the massive dynamic energy uh, that, the, that the stomach brings to, to the act of digestion sets the tone for everything else. So if you fix the stomach, you will end up fixing a lot of things down the line subsequent to that. Because if you're waiting, say if you're, you're only starting from the colon, well, there's a lot of organs that have already done a lot antecedent to that. So, uh, you know, it often simplifies or gives a real, uh, a real sort of like grounded feeling to your treatment protocol when you start with the stomach, um, or at least incorporate, uh, some stomach, uh, treatments into your, your treatment plan. Okay. You can tell I love the stomach and, uh, and I, I want you to love yours too. And I, w- I want you to know a bit about it so that you can um, make some progress because its effects on digestion, gut-brain axis, uh, vagus nerve. We're talking some some major, major uh, influence from one organ that's very, very important. Um, so hopefully that little uh, clinical uh, clinical bite was, was tasty enough for you. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week on That Naturopathic Podcast. 
Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada.